Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat, and today we will be discussing T. Kingfisher's novel, Paladin's Grace, and the 2023 film, Infinity Pool. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hey, Kat. Hi, Remy. How are you today? I'm good. You're looking different. I am looking different. I got a very large tattoo two days ago on Friday. So yeah, that was really fun. I'm really excited. It's like a snake and a moon and lots of big peony type flowers and things like that. So yeah, it yeah. looks great. Thank what you. What do you call that placement? Is there a name for it? So I think it's like a, a shoulder cap is what this mm. is. And then mm-hmm. uh, we just kind of pulled it across my collarbones a bit. Cool. I don't know exactly what that kind of placement would be called. But yeah, it was really exciting. And I realized that I hadn't gone and gotten a tattoo since 2018 with the same artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been about five years Almost exactly five years since I got my tattoo. Wow. Mm-hmm. Was that right before we met? Probably. Wow. Long day of sitting in the chair. I was very ambitious about what I thought I was going to do while I got my tattoo. I was like, mm-hmm. I'll read, I'll be able to read, and I'll be able to listen to some audiobook and watch TV. And I mostly just listened to my audiobook. I've been listening through the new Grady Hendrix novel, which I'm liking oh, yeah. so far. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that was kind of all I could manage to focus on. Yeah, it looks great. Thank you. What did you do? What did you get up to this weekend? Um, well, I got my shit absolutely wrecked by the third episode of Last of Us. Oh my god. <laughs> which you and I spoke about. Over text earlier this week. (laughs) I cannot. Oh my god. I don't trust this fourth episode. (laughs) I was like, I can never trust these creators again. Mm -hmm. Um, I was telling you that if I hadn't watched it with Scott, I probably would have turned off the episode (laughs) when I saw the direction things were going in. Just because I became like absolutely nonverbal because I Mm -hmm. like was crying so hard. (laughs) And I just, like, remember myself, like, flailing around because I, like, didn't know what to do with my body. Oh, no. I was devastated. I was very wrecked by that course of events. Um, The acting of that episode was fantastic, though. I really loved, um, what's his name? Offerman. Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. Nick was what came to mind, but I was like, that sounds wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. I really liked him in that. And then my coworker told me, that the other male lead in that scene is actually the guy from White Lotus, which yeah, I did Murray not Bartlett. realize. Murray Bartlett, he's like an HBO longtime stalwart. He oh, rocks. Really? Yeah, he's been in several HBO series, oh. and he's awesome. He did a great job. Yeah, I loved him in that episode. I thought he was great. Yeah, I thought he was great. I thought Nick Offerman was just devastating perfect casting (laughs) yes for bill yeah and the character that they like developed that into Mm -hmm. and yeah i (laughs) i thought you had seen it before me when i texted you on monday because you typically watch it you know sunday nights fresh Mm -hmm. and then i wait for will to watch it on monday evenings Mm -hmm. and so i watched it on monday i was like fucking out of commission for the rest of the night (laughs) and texted you because i was like i don't know how the fuck cat got through this (laughs) if i am this emotionally thrown i oh i haven't heard from cat i hope she's okay (laughs) but you hadn't seen it yet i hadn't and so then i was like uh (laughs) uh-oh even more I was yeah. like, all right, I'll I was just wrecked. Wait. I was yeah. wrecked that night. And then immediately after the episode was over, Scott was like, okay, bedtime. And I was like, <laughs> I cannot, I cannot sleep. I'm so yeah. upset. And he was like, I well, know. I'm going to bed. And I was like, well, 
I guess you're not here for me, but that's okay. Yeah, even I was, like, having trouble not thinking about it that night when Mm -hmm. I was going to sleep. And that's usually not an issue for me. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, it was really evocative. It was, like, Mm -hmm. very upsetting. But, I mean, well done. So well done. They did a great job making you feel that strongly about two characters in one episode. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just a testament to how well the creators did on that story arc. But, yeah. Oh. Yeah, and it's definitely solidified in my mind. Like, we've spoken before about how my favorite parts so far have been those cold opens Mm -hmm. that are, like, off script from the game. Mm -hmm. And since this episode was almost completely off script, I've now determined those are my favorite parts (laughs) is when they are elaborating on the the game world because it adds a uh, just, like, a really good richness and gravity yeah, it's. I'm really pleased. I was just. I totally surprised that they went that far off book. So I'm really I'm excited that to they see. Did. Yeah. I think that you got a lot more emotional range from Bill mm-hmm. than you do in the game. Obviously, oh, because he's just kind of like an angry prepper in mm-hmm. the game that doesn't want Joel and Ellie there. But like, I really thought you got so much more out of Bill's character and it told you so much more about like the ways, the different ways that people are surviving in this world. Right. I really love the montage of him like going to the Home Depot, yeah. <laughs> getting ready for this yes. apocalypse. I was Absolutely. like, this is perfect. Very much so. God, that is so Nick Offerman. Mm-hmm. It was perfection. Yeah. Um, I was talking with some co-workers earlier this week and they were like, oh, like we, we haven't seen Nick Offerman do such serious roles before. And I was like, well then, you are missing out on his best performance so far, which is in Debs. And so I think I oh. recommended Debs like fucking 10 times this week to anyone that muttered the, the phrase Nick Offerman. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I'll say yeah, I'll put that out here too. I completely forgot about Devs. You recommended mm-hmm. that to me, and I never got around to it. And then I forgot it existed. It's really good. It's on Hulu. Mm. It's only a six or eight episodes. It's a fantastic watch, mm-hmm. and Nick Offerman is good in it for sure. Nice. Yeah, I really like him. Um, I finished season two of Ted Lasso. Did you? I did. It's so good. Isn't it? Um, I was a little dissatisfied with the ending. I wanted more resolution than I got, but... Regarding... uh, Just, I really wanted Nate's arc to go differently than it did, Uh, and uh I didn't want him to stay in his villain era. Like, I really Mm -hmm. wanted him to, like, get some humble energy going on. Yeah, well... We need an antagonist. <laughs> we don't. We don't. I don't need an antagonist. The antagonist can be Rupert, and that's all I need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I loved that season. I I can see where you would say that that season is even better than the first. I'm currently... I haven't decided if I feel the same, but it's definitely mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that all of the hard-hitting moments hit even harder. Right. I was watching it before I had to go to a party the other day. Okay. And I was watching the scene where Ted, like, really breaks down in front of Dr. Sharon. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that I should have touched up my makeup, but I had, like, one tear streak through my foundation <laughs> the whole night. And I got home and I was like, oh, no. And no one told you? Oh, I no. don't think anyone noticed. It wasn't... I'm I'm very pale, and my foundation okay. is pretty pale, too. So I don't think it was super noticeable unless you were, like, right in my face. But yeah. I was like, oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed. That's amazing. So it's been a good week. Yeah. You're all caught up. Now you're just waiting with the rest of us for season three. Well, now I'm rewatching it with Scott. Oh, cool. So we are three episodes in. So we just got past Trent Krim, the Independent. Trent Krim. That's where it really starts to cook. The Trent Krim episode and then the the auction episode right after. <sighs> yes, that's for when the, I really for the children. That series. Mm-hmm. Um, for the children. Gosh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, really like this series and I'm really glad that Scott is enjoying it as much as I am because Me too. 
I wasn't sure. It was kind of like a 50-50. He could really like it or he could feel kind of neutral about it. But Mm -hmm. I think he's really enjoying it. So that makes me happy. Will loves it too. Mm. We've both re-watched it together like Mm -hmm. at least once. Mm. I was talking with Scott about our trip in September that we're going to be taking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I really hope we get to watch movies with Remy and Will. I was like... They need to come up with a list of movies that we don't have, like, the indecision. That oh, get ready. I'm it's already in the works. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm very excited. Yeah. That's one of the things I miss the most about, like, you guys being so far away is that we never get to watch movies anymore. I know. I was just going to say, every so often I have a thought that is as follows when I watch a movie and it's like, uh, I wish we still had Friday night movie club so I could force everyone to watch this movie. (laughs) So I'll just append all of those into one list and Mm -hmm. we can have a marathon at the lake. Yes. Oh God. I'm so excited. There will be blood is definitely on the list. That'd be great. (laughs) Yeah. I'll start working on a list for lake, lakeside movies. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm very excited. Fires and movie nights and uh, we've got to go out on the pontoon to stargaze. Like okay. that is definitely something that needs to happen. Yeah, I'm just so excited. And I was just doing family FaceTime a while ago and Scott's parents are thrilled that we're coming Aww. out. They bring it up every week. They're so excited. Oh, that's so They're sweet. Like, we're waiting for September. Oh, like, yes. But yeah, ready to jump in? I think so. All right. You're starting us off this week, Kat. Yes, I am. So today I am going to be chatting about the novel Paladin's Grace, which is a novel written by T. Kingfisher. It was published in 2020. And I've talked about T. Kingfisher in the past on this podcast when I discussed her book, The Twisted Ones. And one thing that I really like about this author is that she writes a whole host of genres. So it's not like just limited to fantasy, horror, or romance, or anything in between. Like she just kind of writes what she's feeling. And I think Hmm. that that's really cool. So The Twisted Ones was a horror novel that like kind of dabbled in a little bit of fantasy. But she also wrote What Moves the Dead, which is like a retelling of the short story Fall of the House of Usher. Mm. Um, And so like, sometimes she does retelling, sometimes she just writes straight horror. But this book is a very different vibe from the other things I've read by her. It is a fluffy fantasy romance. Oh, really? Yeah. And I thought it was a really great palate cleanser because I just kind of wrapped up Ninth House and Hellbent and I was feeling um, kind of a book hangover because I really liked those characters a lot and was having a hard time deciding what to read next. And so I was like, oh, well, this seems pretty low-key and gentle and fun to read, so I'll just read this. And I thought it was a really enjoyable book. I kind of flew through it. I think I finished it in maybe two or three days. But I thought she built a really interesting fantasy world. I think that that's one of her strengths from what I've read of of her works in the past. And it was definitely different. So in this book, the male main character, his name's Stephen, and he was a paladin or like kind of holy warrior for a god called the Saint of Steel. Okay. And basically the function of all of the paladins of the Saint of Steel is to go help towns that are being raided or like protect people from bandits or whatever. Sometimes they help with like demons and things like that, but that's not usually what they do. And all of the Saint of Steel paladins are berserkers. And so they kind of go into these like battle trances And that can be 
dangerous if it's uncontrolled, right? Because then you're not discriminating between innocents and bad guys. Yeah. And so the real benefit of having the Saint of Steel as their like God figure is that he helps them only target the enemies and leave innocents alone. Um, and so that works out really well for many, many years, but then the saint of steel dies mysteriously and no one knows that gods can die. It's never happened before, but all of a sudden these paladins are left with no God and they don't take it very well. A lot of them just kind of go into comas for some reason. It's unclear, but a lot of them just like end up becoming so like depressed and without purpose that they kind of just waste away. And so in this book, there are only seven of these paladins still left alive and they've kind of formed their own little community and brotherhood. And they've been taken in by another God and like another temple that serves the white rat. And the white rat is kind of a figure who provides healing and like legal support to (laughs) people who don't have access to it. So they're healers for the poor and basically your public defenders and things like that. And so it's it's just like a really different like fantasy role for a god to play. I just thought it was kind of cool and different. Is it a rat? I've never seen it. (laughs) We Um, don't know. It's just kind of like a god that gets referred to, but we never meet it in at least the two books I've read of this Uh, series. I'd like to think it is a rat. I like to think it is a rat as well, but everyone associated with the white rat is very wholesome and just like good people. They basically keep trying to like pay the paladins for the work that they're doing but they refuse to be paid and so Mm -hmm. they just kind of do their job and are housed by the white rat basically they use the paladins as like all of the paladins are like big muscly guys and so they kind of use them as like escorts and bodyguards and they help prevent Uh, like witnesses from being intimidated. So if there's a big trial going on, they like stand by the witness and prevent people from messing with them Hmm. and things like that. So they, they're serving like a different role than um, the white rat has typically held before, but it's mutually beneficial. And so Stephen is out working. Um, He's like walking a healer around and making sure that the healer's not harassed in, like, this um, poor part of town where there's also a serial killer running loose that is chopping people's heads off. And, like, they never find the bodies. They only find the heads. So it's kind of unclear what's going on there. Mm-hmm. But while investigating what the serial killer is doing, he becomes embroiled in an attempted assassination of one of the local leaders. And Mm -hmm. he's like also trying to solve that mystery. And he ends up meeting a local perfumer who is helping them on the case because she was like there when the assassination attempt was going on. And so this local perfumer, her name's Grace, um, is like helping them on the case and she and Steven have really great chemistry and there's a lot of like internal monologues of like internal apprehension about finding a relationship. So like Steven is worried that any kind of passion will kind of trigger a berserker fit because he doesn't know how it works without the God. And he like just kind of, is very, very scared of that. And oh, he doesn't awful. want, he doesn't want to hurt anybody. Um, and so he's like dealing with that. And in the meantime, Grace is like of an extremely independent person that has like worked really hard to gain her own independence and not have to depend or rely on anybody. So she's worried that if she ends up 
with Steven that it will kind of like trap her and prevent her from being an independent person. But so generally they've got to resolve that. They've also got to figure out who the serial killer is and who tried to assassinate the leader of their government. So there's a lot going on. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, But it is a really, really great novel. I mean, it's not like going to change your life, but it's definitely a really good kind of fluffy read. Mm -hmm. Some things that I really liked about this book is that um, it's a really quick read. It has a satisfying romance and the tension that's built throughout the book is done really, really well. There's like lots of um, sexual tension that's like a really nice slow burn that I really liked. Um, and I mentioned this to you when I initially brought up talking about this book that this is a fantasy romance book, but it's not about like teenagers. It's not like a paranormal teen romance. It's like <laughs> about people in their 30s or approaching 40. And I think that that's just a really nice change of pace for this genre. Yeah. I think that hearing a nice mature love story is really nice. Um, and I just thought that they navigated that really well. The male lead I thought was done really well. He's like a really sweet guy. He, his main pastime is knitting socks for all of his fellow paladins and he just like always carries his knitting around with him and like pulls it out and I thought that was really cute Hmm. and I really like that both of the main characters have like this best friend character that kind of fills the same role of like trying to get them to just confront how they're feeling with the other person but I did really like one conversation that Stephen has with his friend Esteban because he basically is feeling like really guilty and scared about wanting to start a relationship with Grace but feeling very like conflicted about it and Esteban there's this concept of like shriving which is Kind of the same as like a Catholic confession where you can kind of confess something to one of the paladins that are in your order and they will like tell you what penance you need to do um, to absolve your guilt. And at the end of this conversation that he's having with Istvan, Istvan is basically saying like there's so much more to your life than you doing this service just because you feel like you have a duty to do like you should pursue love and you shouldn't be so scared of what could happen because it's going to hold you back and he ends that conversation by saying I won't grant you absolution for wanting more and that line just like really stuck out to me and I really liked it because he's basically saying, like, I don't want to absolve you of your guilt because you've done nothing wrong. And this is, like, a normal way to feel. It's funny. I was talking to Scott. Scott's reading this book right now as well. We, like, chose it for our book club. Mm-hmm. And I was chatting with him today. And he was saying, like, oh, certain aspects of it remind him of The Witcher. And I was like, oh, when I took my notes for the podcast, I wrote down that the whole time I was reading it, I was picturing it set in the streets of Novigrad, which is a city in The Witcher. And I was just like picturing like all of the apothecary type shops and the like cobblestone streets and like riding around on horseback and things like that. I just thought it was kind of funny that we both ended up picturing like the same fantasy world. And I will say that this book is definitely... In the spicy category, it's definitely uh, spicy, but in a tasteful way. But for sure, more towards that like adult realm of books. So if your kid wants to read this, just know that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I just thought it was a really good book. I thought the mystery was engaging. At one point, it becomes like a courtroom drama, which was very, um, it had me on the edge of my seat. Yeah. I wasn't really sure how things were going to play out, but 
It oh, this out. book has it all. I know. it's, <laughs> And it's only like 300 pages. I That's don't know so how crazy. they fit it all in How here. does she fit that all in there? It was all very good. But it is part of a trilogy. So I've finished the second book, which I definitely didn't like as much as I liked the first book. It follows a different set of characters. And then the mm, third book tough. follows a slightly different set of characters. That's cool. I'm glad it got you out of your reading slump. Yeah. Or not slump. More just like a change Hangover. of pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've definitely kept up my reading trajectory at the very least because I've just been like flying through books when I do read them. So mm-hmm. I think the Grady Hendrix book is like my eighth book since the start of the year so wow that's a lot i've just been flying through them (laughs) yeah i'm getting really bogged down on my current book so i think i might Mm -hmm. have to like dnf it for now Mm -hmm. just so it doesn't induce like a severe slump Mm -hmm. for sure (laughs) but i don't know what to move on to next because i all of my like physical copy tbr is like not a lot of quick read Mm -hmm. type material so get something on libby it's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's got to be like a book I can hold in my hands that I can read like before bed. I see. Um, but yeah, I haven't been to the bookstore in a few weeks. I need to get out there because mm-hmm. I've been trying to prioritize going to the movies more. So it's kind of um, one or the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no books at my Target here, unfortunately. Oh, no. Yeah. Really Dang lame. city Targets. Yeah. The Target book section is like my favorite place to buy books because they're so cheap. They're so cheap. Speaking of prioritizing the movies, mm-hmm. you found a new movie theater? I did. Oh, cat. I'm very excited. <laughs> so as I've spoken about in a couple previous episodes this year, I really want to like buckle down and get serious about seeing movies in the theater again because that's one of my favorite things to do but this past year after moving to the city my like routine was very destabilized Mm -hmm. because I no longer had like a central theater that I knew would be playing all of the stuff that I wanted to see and so I've been like canvassing (laughs) most of Manhattan trying to find a replacement theater but I've now accepted that I'm just going to have to have like a patchwork network of Mm -hmm. several theaters to fill that void. But I found one that I think is going to do like 80% of the job that I need. Nice. And it's not terribly far and it's relatively close to my subway line. And I went there for the first time yesterday to see Infinity Pool and it was a wonderful experience and I will definitely be going back there again and... Uh, I was, like, really pleased with the entire experience overall. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, Infinity Pool is the new film from Brandon Cronenberg. He is the son of David Cronenberg, and he has very much picked up the torch of body horror. And he is, I think, a really promising young director. This is his third feature-length film. Mm-hmm. I've spoken a little bit about his previous film, Possessor, because I really enjoyed that one. I highly recommend that. Uh, That's a 2020 film. It was really good, and so I was really excited. I've been, like, scoping out Infinity Pool for uh, a couple of months now, at, at least. And it came to theaters a couple weeks ago, and so I made sure to see it this weekend so I wouldn't miss it during its theatrical run. Mm-hmm. And it stars Alexander Skarsgård. The lesser Skarsgård. <laughs> I feel so bad saying no, that. It's just because he played that horrible man. I know. That we both hate him. <laughs> yeah, on Big Little Lies, we yeah. were both really upset by his character. That and we sucks. also just both have an, uh, a greater affinity for Bill. So, <laughs> sorry, Alex. Um, and it also stars Mia Goth, um, as well as Cleopatra Coleman. And this film, it is centered on Alexander Skarsgård. He is kind of a, a floundering author 
His character's name is James Foster, and he and his wife are on a trip to a resort on like a fictional, um, you know, destination vacation-y island. And he is hoping to find inspiration so that he can finish his second novel because his first novel came out six years ago and it didn't perform very well and he hasn't written another novel since then and you find out over the course of the film that he has been mostly getting by because his wife is rich and comes from a wealthy publishing family Mm. and so there's definitely some tension between he and his wife M. she's played by cleopatra coleman um regarding his you know writing career that is seemingly stagnant and while they are at their stay at this resort they kind of become friendly with another couple staying there who are played by Mia Goth and then her like partner in the film. And so Mia Goth kind of endears herself to Alexander Skarsgård's character right away because she's like, oh, I know your book. I love your book. I recognize you. And they start hanging out, you know, doing kind of like couple stuff together. Mm-hmm. And they coax Alexander Skarsgård and Cleopatra Coleman off of the resort to kind of go on some other island adventures. And that kind of kicks off a series of events where Alexander Skarsgård makes decisions and does things that puts him in worse and worse situations. Um, yeah. Have you seen the trailer for this? I have seen the trailer. Okay. I think I'll do spoilers up to, you know, what is included in the trailer. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want any spoilers at all, this is your warning. But if you've seen the trailer, then I won't go much beyond that. Basically, Alexander Skarsgård is involved in a car accident where he's driving, you know, these four people in the car and he hits a pedestrian who is like a local farmer mm. in the in the like immediate community and the next day he is arrested and you're like introduced to the legal system of this fictional island in the world of the film and it they have uh, this really interesting system where if you are rich enough and you can pay the fee you can have yourself doubled and which just means like being cloned and your clone can serve your sentence. And also in this fictional community, basically every sentence is death. Like they're very strict Mm -hmm. in terms of things that constitute crimes. It's like a very conservative community. And so Alexander Skarsgård opts for the double... And it kind of, you know, goes from there. Mm. And so, yeah, you can obviously tell if, you know, based on that unique quirk of their legal system, it's a rule that's ripe for exploitation by people that have a a lot of money. And that's basically all the people that are staying at this resort. Um, And so that's the basic plot. Um... But I'll go through and kind of list out for you uh, a lot of the things that I liked about the film. So I really thought you get a peek of at this in the trailer, but a lot of the camera work in the film was really interesting. There's like a lot of destabilizing visuals that add to sort of this disorienting feeling that you get. Mm watching the film, mostly because you're following Alexander Skarsgård's character who's having just a very prolonged, disorienting experience. Mm -hmm. And as the viewer, you are also... I experienced a lot of disorientation. Like, after I left the theater, I felt like I was in a daze for, like, at least an hour afterwards because Mm -hmm. it, it was so... 
effective at like sucking you into the world of the movie and uh, like locking you into the like strange hallucinogenic disorienting experiences that Alexander Skarsgård's character was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also like a fictional drug in this world that is root based that they like light on fire and inhale the smoke and it is like a hallucinogen and that plays a role in a lot of the like rich people antics that are going on so they did i think they did almost all or all practical effects for Mm -hmm. the hallucination scenes which i really respect you know i'm a big time practical effects person Mm -hmm. and so i really love that they accomplished so much without you know using cgi and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i really respect it when when people commit to that and so that in combination with the interesting camera work gave like a really good unnerving and disorienting tone to the film Mm -hmm. i will also say it is certainly a cronenbergian film so Uh, There is definitely body horror, and while it isn't, like, over the top in that it's, like, a constant, it is, like, severe when it comes up, Mm -hmm. you know, when it's time. So uh, just a warning for that. It's, like, Cronenbergian in plot and execution. Mm -hmm. But if you're okay with that, then it's great. And so it was really funny because I went to... Uh, like a matinee showing of it because you know I love going (laughs) to a matinee and the screening at the time that I wanted was an open caption screening so it had you know like English subtitles for everything Mm -hmm. which means like it had also like the sound effects in parentheses in addition to like the dialogue on the screen okay so I wanted you to know that my favorite Close. My favorite open caption by far was parentheses flesh squelching. <laughs> I think Gross. that gives you a really good idea what you're in for. Yeah. Um, I was absolutely living for that caption. It was amazing. Um, and another thing that really drew me into the film in particular was Mia Goth's performance. Mm-hmm. She was incredible. She, her character is like captivating and alluring and absolutely unhinged. And I was so there for her performance. She was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I've been, you know, hearing about like the Mia Goth hype train for the past year because of her excellent performances in films like X and Pearl and Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria remake and I am like fully on board the Mia Goth hype train now because of her performance in this like she is the new queen of horror and I want her to be in everything and she fucking rules (laughs) so if you watch it for anything watch it for her she's great man she's I don't know how she does it her the the dynamic range of her performance was excellent. And yeah, I hope she's in like every movie. <laughs> Let's see. So another really important thing that I think sets Infinity Pool apart in my mind was that it definitely falls into a recent trend in film and TV that has been like really prominent for the past couple of years, which is like basically the rich people suck trend Mm -hmm. but something important about this film is that i think it is more successful in pulling off that trend than a lot of things that i watched last year that i was less impressed with Mm -hmm. um and i think one of the main reasons it is more successful is because you're following the descent of one character into this world of rich people abusing uh, like a number of systems and causing you know 
incredible pain to uh, less fortunate people, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because you find out over the course of the film that Alexander Skarsgård's character, he doesn't come from money. He just married into money. Mm -hmm. And so he's not exactly accustomed to the different privileges that come with that. But over the course of the film, he falls in with this like larger crowd of just really awful rich people that are completely the they like basically make a sport of abusing the specific legal system of this island nation mm-hmm. and they are really like debaucherous and unhinged and just really find glee in abusing the power that comes with their wealthy status Mm. and because you're watching him descend into this world it puts it in much starker relief because you can see the metamorphosis that this relatively normal guy is going through when Mm. he's exposed to these people Mm. um and so i thought it was a lot more successful than some other more recent films that just were either like too like lacked nuance and lacked subtlety or lacked a depth in the like rich people suck mm-hmm. argument and so because you're watching alexander skarsgard like fall apart but also change profoundly mm-hmm. i would argue that this would be a really good double feature viewing experience with wake and fright yeah i was just thinking <laughs> because in infinity pool it's like this guy's descent into madness and a metamorphosis because he's fallen in with this crowd of rich people and mm-hmm. Uh, it, the mirror image is Wake and Fright, where this guy <laughs> falls into a descent into madness because he's carousing with these weird local people. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> there's certainly parallels. Mm-hmm. For sure. And yeah, but man, this one's got me a goth. So <laughs> definitely, definitely check it out. I highly recommend it. There's, I, I would definitely love to rewatch it mm-hmm. it's really intense but don't let it scare you it's definitely if you're like good with horror it's it's really really interesting watch and uh the creativity that went into constructing the like fictional structure of mm-hmm. this country and the resort and uh, the like police force mm-hmm and everything around that was, I thought, just really well done. And I think this is another really, really great entry from Brandon Cronenberg. So I highly recommend it. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I wasn't sure if it would be up my alley because I don't tend towards like more body horror type films. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm very intrigued by the trailer. So think it'll definitely be on my list but i probably won't catch it before it leaves theaters so i'll probably have to watch it on streaming yeah yeah i can only think of like one scene where i was like okay brandon this might be like a little bit too much (laughs) just because it like lingered on one thing for a long time oh Uh, but otherwise yeah i think you could handle it i'm curious about and this is probably getting into spoilers, but I'm just curious about the masks or is that oh, yeah. part of the hallucination or are they wearing masks? The masks or is that their face? <laughs> the masks are masks. They are part of more detailed world building that I didn't get to. So like in addition to the interesting legal nuances of the local community, they're are also details provided about some of the um, holidays and related religious traditions mm. of the local community. And those masks are a part of that like cultural tradition. Okay. 
And so the rich people kind of co-opt those as part of their, like, fucked up escapades. Yeah. Yeah, they appropriate them for fun as while they're doing other fucked up stuff. Yeah. So it's just kind of like an extra layer of commentary mixed in. Mm-hmm, um, but sure. yeah, like, there was a, a lot of interesting uh, details about that, like, local cultural tradition. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was a really good movie. Yeah. It certainly looked intense. <laughs> it's very intense. If you are photosensitive, also, like, take the... There's, like, a, a warning for, um, like, epilepsy at the beginning. Oh, so okay. take that very seriously. Like, I, I, I don't have epilepsy, but I am, like, really photosensitive mm-hmm. to flashing stimuli. Mm-hmm. And so I had to, like, close my eyes for some of it just because it was too much visual information changing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that won't be as severe on like my 30 inch television uh, screen. Yeah. I think it'll be fine. not in the theater. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I am photosensitive. It usually just brings on migraines. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And nausea. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I'm missing anything else. I don't know. I mean, it was just, it was really well done. Um, there was a lot of depth to the world of the movie Mm -hmm. and the craft was just really effective of locking you into Alex Skarsgård's character and his experiences and hallucinations and his decisions. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was really well crafted. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to watch it again. If you feel like some flesh squelching, check out Infinity <laughs> Pool. <laughs> it's two thumbs up from me. <laughs> yes. I thought of a couple of overlaps if we want to do our friend diagram. This yeah, one was a pretty hard pairing, I thought. But yeah. um, one of the parallels that I saw was that Both of our pieces of media are kind of taking something that's been uh, done before, like a theme that has been done before, a type of story that's been done before, and they're doing it in a, I think, more effective way, in a more like realistic way. So for yours, it's the rich people suck plot, but it's done in a different way that was more effective when, when you watched it. Exactly. I particularly liked the romance in this book because I felt like it was more mature and relatable for me as somebody like in my mid 20s. I no longer really relate to like the teenage drama of romance. Mm -hmm. I kind of relate to the more mature stories. That was one of the things I was thinking about. That's a really good one, Kat. That's a great point. Um, I was thinking one similarity between these two pieces of media is that they both included a lot of interesting world building mm-hmm. that included details on like local legal customs as mm-hmm. well as cultural traditions. Um, and I think I was like pleasantly surprised with the amount of depth that that had in infinity pool mm-hmm. and it sounds like in in your book as well that really added to the overall experience yeah for sure that was on my list too also mm-hmm. i didn't really get into this as much but um for the courtroom drama they're basically uh the they're basically trying to convict somebody so that they can um do the death penalty mm-hmm. um but they have like no solid proof, which is why it's like really stressful because it's not like our legal system. The lawyers just like scream at each other until somebody wins. Oh, and no. it's very, very stressful. Mm-hmm. And the like gaslighting of this character in the courtroom scene was very like stressful for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought that the like legal system was really interesting. And there's a lot of corruption and people trying to, like, 
rush through things and they don't care if somebody's actually guilty. And yeah. Um, so I just thought that the, the government was really odd and interesting in this book. Hmm. Yeah. You also talked about how in the beginning, Stephen and like his paladin cohorts are kind of like wasting away because mm-hmm. they've lost their purpose without the, their original patron saint. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really similar to how Alexander Skarsgård's character starts out in the beginning of Infinity Pool because mm-hmm. his writing career is really languishing and he doesn't have much else going on and he's sort of like wasting away and is kind of just like a shell of himself Mm -hmm. at the beginning and he has to you know that's you know the basis for his transformation across the course of the film Mm -hmm. sounds like he needs a cabin in Maine yeah sounds like he needs white rat (laughs) (laughs) also I just love that there's a religion based around a white rat yeah, that makes me I very happy. Truly <laughs> hope it is actual rat based. <laughs> I hope I get to find out in the third book. Mm. I'll let you know. The only other overlap I had was the mention of trances. Oh. Um yours were like uh battle the trances. paladins. Yeah, yeah, battle trances. Infinity pool, it's all drug trances, but <laughs> they're there. <laughs> yeah. What an interesting pairing. <laughs> I wasn't sure how that one was going to play out. I'm never sure how it's going to play out, but we always I know. We always end up with some. I know. That's fun. Let's <laughs> have the fun. That's the fun of the friend diagram. I don't think that we've ever had one where we just couldn't think of anything. No, never. We're very creative. We're very different, but there's always some common ground. for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice and we'll see you back here same place next week. Bye for now.